Oh, why would you do that? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. To publish, perish, or podcast. Your opportunity to look behind the scenes of science and see if science lies about how many people it has slept with. I'm Andrew Stapleton, and joining me today are Christopher Gibson. G'day. And Cameron Shearer. Hi. Alright, first questions. Have you ever lied about how many people you slept with? No, I haven't. Cameron, um, everyone does. Why haven't you? <laughs> oh, so you have then, Andy? Of course, yeah, everyone, every normal person has. <laughs> I would not say I've lied, but my definition of sex might be considered quite broad. Oh, Chris, that makes me very (laughs) unsettled. Uh, Are we having sex right now? (laughs) If a girl has perhaps had contact with me in certain regions of uh, the city, then yes. Such a sitcom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well done, Chris. Um, Yeah, of course. No, I, I definitely lied. Like when I was a teenager, I don't know why, but it was just easy to just lie. Yeah. It was just, it. there was so much less hassle than saying one or uh-huh. or only ever in a relationship or whatever, you know? like. Did you ever, any follow-up questions? Yeah. Did it ever get you in trouble? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm a terrible <laughs> liar. And then you could tell when people realized well, I was lying. Because you went, oh, a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Katy Perry. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or when you were how old? <laughs> yeah, 17 <laughs> but you know like it's just yeah when people realized that i was lying you could see it in their face that they just went he's lying and then they just they just feel sorry for me it turned from one of intrigue into just being so was sorry. it the number or the fact that you said you'd had sex they suspected you were lying probably that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and science has it got any reason oh. to lie about how many people it's been intimate with? Well, how is science intimate with a person? I think we're all intimate with science <laughs> right now. Yeah? Uh, I know. I would say no. Uh, that That's a good question because does science fudge the numbers? Does science fudge? Because science... <laughs> does science pack... F- uh, no, <laughs> does it fudge numbers? Does it not pack fudge? No, um, because scientists do fudge numbers. We fudge a lot. Scientists do cook numbers. Yeah. But does science... I would say science doesn't. Science right. is pure. So it's pure. In it's fact, got a number. And in it's fact, willing. has science even had sex? Maybe not. Is science a virgin? No, no. So, I've seen so many scientific probes in different people <laughs> that... Like, not for fun. In like, <laughs> You've seen them in people? Well, like documentaries and stuff. <laughs> and I've got a periscope thing. <laughs> but yeah. No, yeah, I think you're right. Science would 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 probably remain pure to the number. Yeah, yeah. And the number would be vast because anyone in science or science is quite sexy. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Grace, you're so intense tonight. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. All right. News from the week. All right. Go on, Chris. So... Uh, after last week's podcast, went home, Yep. checked the journal Nanotechnology. Yep. Our latest paper is online with DIY, volume, yep. page number, everything. Yep. yep. I know it's real when it turns up in my Google Scholar 
yep. number. Google Scholar told me all about it. Yeah, good. Already has 46 downloads. Ooh. Ooh go us. Yeah. 46. Yeah, that's that. pretty good. Take that. Is it? So, How many? It's been up for a week. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. That's pretty good. That's pretty right, good. Excellent. So, so that's great news. And that's once again, we three, the giants slash titans of AFM, joining together to make science and the world a better place. Yep. Good. It's one what, AFM tip at a time. One slightly better <laughs> AFM tip at a time. It's what we do. It's what we do. Um, so, look, let's get to it. I know you've been looking forward to it. Right, Come on, do it. Looking what forward do we to it. Whip it out, I've, Chris. Flop it on the table. I've completely forgotten what you do these days. <laughs> what is it again? You know what I'm doing uh, from 3 p.m. on Wednesday afternoons? <laughs> Collating data. All right. Gibbo's science site countdown. Ba, 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 ba. Ba. I'll don't make it longer. Yeah, please, go on. I've got to stretch this out. All right, so can I beat my 2015 total sites for that year? I'm closing in on it as we speak. Well, you are almost there last week. Well, you had seven from memory. Get this. Some exciting news, but not quite what you think. Something a little odd happened. Oh, what? Christopher, the injury. got more sites last year. We've got loads. Actually, don't laugh. Cameron, Cameron may be onto something. So, um, total sites with Scopus, 1069. Won't go into that too much, but that's vast. Um, 2015, my sites actually went up from 143 to 144. Ooh. So, some extra 2015 site cropped Just up. Just cropped in. Yeah, turned Good. up. Um, the people out there are on the edge of their seats. But there's a load more to come through, according to Google Scholar. So okay. we'll get over. Yeah. So Everyone. any listeners out there? Yep. Cite Chris Gibson. Cite Chris Gibson. Yep, yep. I'll give and, you a list of my papers. At the, they'll all go on the website, yeah? Um, no. <laughs> Right. Just say them. What we'll do is we'll produce a podcast episode where you just list your papers and they have to cite them. Yeah, I, that's a great idea. I, I agree with that. Anyway, Web of Science, I'm still four behind there. So 2015 was 138. I'm now up to 134. So a little bit to go there. Very good. But, you know, soon. Um, and Uh-oh. I do have a Gibson prepared statement. Oh. Do we want to do it now or do you want to leave Let's it to Let's do later? it now. Oh, it's so long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> All right. Gibbo's prepared statement, Wednesday, 2nd November, 2016. On August 28, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King gave a speech at the Lincoln Memorial <laughs> in Washington. That's in America. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Where he told 250,000 people his dream. In his speech, Dr. King described his noble dream of freedom and equality for all Americans and indeed all people around the world. Over 30 years later, during the wild, carefree and hedonistic days of the mid-90s, another young man, <laughs> half a world away, would also have a dream. Uh. <laughs> he was in between, after wanking. <laughs> His was a dream to solve one of the great problems that plague science. That problem, you ask, what is it? World hunger. Something How to quickly, easily, Energy. and accurately calibrate the spring constant of atomic force microscope <laughs> candle. We're saved, everyone. <laughs> Not yet. This is the oh, story. This oh, is their oh. dream from the 90s. This oh, is course. the dream. This I wonder, is the dream. who's he talking about? Well, yeah, we'll get to that. How John Sader. How could he achieve this impossible dream? <laughs> Only with hard work, unyielding determination, and a massive dose of greatness. <laughs> For the next 20 years, he would devise 11 experimental methods to calibrate the spring constant of AFM cantilevers. Two of these methods he developed while doing research at Cambridge University in the United Kingdom. <laughs> 
these <laughs> methods, two. just just two. These methods would result in eleven articles, which collect collectively have a staggering four hundred and twenty-six citations, and on their own have an H index of ten. That's impressive. This record undoubtedly makes him the greatest experimental AFM cantilever scientist in the world. <laughs> this man's name is, of course, Dr. Christopher T. Gibson. Oh, it's you. It's me. It's me. Oh, there's now, more. Now what? Over the same 20-year period, another man, a man of numbers, a man of theory, a man John of equations Slater. and powerful maths, was also making his mark on AFM cantilever calibration. His gift was in developing the theoretical framework <laughs> for a host of cantilever calibration techniques that would advance the field to stratospheric heights. This man became the greatest theoretician in the field of cantilever calibration the world has ever seen. His name is, of course, Professor John Sater. Now, over the years, these two great scientists became friends and Gibson formed a dream. His dream, to co-author with Professor John Sater the greatest paper <laughs> on AFM cantilever calibration the world had ever seen, and for that paper to be published in the colossal journal, the only <laughs> journal worthy of such work, the journal named Review Scientific Instruments. <laughs> it could only happen if these two titans of AFM cantilever calibration combined their awesome intellects. It could only happen if destiny called and they answered. Well, guess what? Destiny, Destiny called. Call. Yes. And Is she... that a stripper? No. <laughs> <laughs> and you accepted the charges. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Destiny called and she used a mobile phone provider with great coverage. <laughs> which meant they both answered. <laughs> so finally, after 20 years, the great man of numbers and the great experimentalist did join forces with some other people to produce the definitive paper on the subject of AFM cantilever calibration. That paper, I'm proud to say, somewhat emotionally and breathlessly, is now published. Is that because you're out of breath? <laughs> <sighs> the title of this paper is A Virtual Instrument to Standardise the Calibration of Atomic Force Microscope Cantilevers. It appears in the September 2016 issue of the mighty journal Review Scientific Instruments. I encourage all listeners to read this seminal work. It is a dream come true, not just for Gibson, but for you listeners and yes, all the world. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. And thanks to Andy and Cameron for oh. all the support they've given me over the years. I really Shut appreciate up, it. Shut up, Chris. Oh, yeah. Give a shit I knew you'd that finally do it, Chris. I knew yeah. you'd finally do it. So now your career goal's been met. Yeah. Retire? Retire. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Cantilevers won't, won't let me go. There's more work to be done. Um, I've refused to yield. Good on you. Good on you. Well, thanks, Chris, for your news. Cameron. <laughs> Follow that. Follow that, Shira. <laughs> Is there time for my news? No, and that's the end of the podcast. Thanks very much. <laughs> All right. So there's only one thing I can talk about that even comes co close to that prepared statement okay. that Chris just gave out. Thank yep. you. And the thing is that I am now, as of this week, a changed man. <gasps> what? On Wednesday, something amazing happened, which mm. has changed me forever. God, this is a fucking Jesus intense Christ, episode. This is, right. I'm nervous. No longer am I a man who only owns one pair of chinos. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> edit, oh, my God. Edit out that fucking proposed statement because we have to have this in. So here we go. I've got a second pair of chinos. Oh, they're green. And they're green. Yeah. Could you imagine me 
dear listener, as a person who could pull off a green pair of pants. I mean, I did think actually today you were looking a little bit ill. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone can do, is that is that khaki? Would you call that khaki? Oh, that's so, exactly yeah. what it says. Fashionista. If yeah. anyone can pull off khaki, it's Cameron. Yeah. Now I, I kind of chose green because that's the uh, the one color that the human eye has the most receptors for. Oh, yeah, like your, your, there we are. Rods and cones. Rods and cones. Rods and cones. Rods and cones. <laughs> Also this week, um, I'm not the only person in this house who has a certificate saying how smart they are. <gasps> Last night, yep. my dog Reggie passed, <laughs> passed basic <laughs> training. Yay! Yay! Well done, Reggie. With flying colours. Really? Yeah. With flying colours. Because he's a nightmare in the house. Uh, yeah, you've noticed that, have you? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, he did everything perfectly, and Lauren and I were a little bit nervous yeah. going into it. Because really, yep. it's not a test of Reggie, is it? It's, it's a test of you. Mostly a test of us. Yeah. 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 So uh, we went and did everything perfectly. You know, yep. sit, shake, uh, walk along next to us, heal, that kind of yep. thing. Sniff bums. And so we were the first to get the certificate. So <gasps> I was thinking, oh, hang on. This is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but then not every dog was quite as good as Reggie in the class. Uh-huh. Uh, and by the time she got around to the last dog giving everyone a certificate, I thought, surely this last dog can't get one. This last dog, yeah. we had a, a test where you just have to walk your dog down a rope and it just had to stay by your side. Like down a rope? Well, so like, the rope's on the ground. You're not, oh, okay. You I don't have to tight rope. It's not <laughs> yeah, that advanced. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, Reggie could, Reggie could straight probably line. do that. Some slack lining. <laughs> <laughs> and it just zigzagged everywhere, trying just sniffing, not following yeah. the owner at all. Yeah. Uh, later on, that we had a we did a circle. Like, can your dog do a trick? And yeah, Reggie can shake. This dog can stand up. And then this dog. Uh, what can your dog do? Oh, this nothing. is such a parent thing. My dog was perfect, and this <laughs> other dog wasn't as good. Cameron's dog won. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what, that's uh, that's one of the points I'm trying to get across. And the other dog who couldn't do anything. Yeah. Got a certificate. Oh. Hang on. So this is just like a PhD. Everyone gets one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why should dog education yeah. be any different to human education? If you attend all six classes, yep. uh, yeah, you get That's the certificate right. at the end. There you go yeah. out there, students. Perfect. Just hang in on that PhD. <laughs> just put right, in the yeah. time and you'll eventually get it. Yeah. Eventually, someone will get so bored of you being there, they'll help you out a lot. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, Angie, ha- Angie, uh, Angie. Oh, hello, <laughs> <laughs> Andy. You had a good week. I've had a very good week. Um, you done anything? I I haven't done anything. I want to send out a, a like slow. a huh? bit boring. It's a bit boring. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the next couple of weeks, I'm actually taking over the I am Psycom Twitter handle for a week. Oh, yeah. So that's that will be really good. I've got. I'm writing my next Australian Quarterly article and. S- uh, the, the group that I'm currently in um, has recently had a load of funding come through. So everyone at work is just like high-fiving, chest-bumping, oh, yeah. like standing next to each other in the urinals and talking. They're that confident, Ooh. you know what I mean? Like They absolutely love it. <laughs> is that your sign of confidence? It is, yeah. If, if I can't talk to anyone next to me in the urinal because <laughs> I'm just thinking, he's looking at my dick <laughs> and it's tiny. <laughs> Um, oh, so yeah, funny. so everyone's really good. Everyone's really happy. I'm looking forward to my science communication stuff. And now, I don't know about you guys, but I like running little experiments at home. Okay. Yeah. And I am I'm running an experiment at the moment, which is 
a meal replacement powder. It's called Aussie Lint, which is like Soylent, you know, oh, like Soylent Green. Yes. So it's a complete meal replacement. This isn't one you've made yourself. No, no, no. This is one you can buy. Oh. So it's a ripoff of one in the States. There's a one in the States called Soylent, which is a meal replacement made by the people in Silicon Valley because they needed something to eat quickly to get back yeah, to Yeah, I think you'll find that's made of people. Yeah, there we are. That's that was the tip of the hat, exactly. Very good. Anyway, so now there's an Aussie Lent one, which is a guy in Melbourne, and he's produced it to the Australian standards. Hmm. So I ordered a sample pack, which consists of four meals, yeah. and I just started eating it. Um, and it is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It hurts when you drink it. Is it chunky? Well, it's a powder that you mix up with water. Yeah. It's slightly vanilla flavored, but because there's roughage in there, it like, if you don't mix it and then instantly drink it, it just starts like flocculating is the mm. actual term. Oh, I like but that. it starts doing that, right? Mm. And it just forms little clumps and it's real scratchy. And it, one of my friends, I was explaining to him and he said, I never thought I'd hear the phrase... It hurts to drink. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear that was phrase, that, something's gone wrong. Was something that on the side bad. of the packet? But it hurts to drink. <laughs> the most annoying thing is, is you buy it all and then um, it's like last forever, but it's got a use by date. And then it's like, it's meant to be a meal replacement powder. And then it says not to be used as sole um, nutrition intake. What? Yeah. Mm. So anyway, so I, I run this experiment. I think, i tell you what though, after I forced it down with while tasting blood, I'm sure, yeah. it actually, like I went ages without eating, without feeling hungry. The normal amount of time? The, no, more. Okay. Like I went longer without feeling hungry and having a snack. Yeah. And I actually, like, I didn't get the weird, like, tiredness. You know, mm -hmm. to eat, if I was to eat a full calorie, calorific meal... I'd feel tired, but I just felt fine. I just kind of mm. cruised down. Yeah. Uh, but it made my farts stink. Yeah. Oh. Cement yeah. powder. Is that, that in the packet? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got some feedback from a listener. Oh. And this one is was on my Facebook page. On after, your Facebook page? Yeah. And it was after I released an Andy Matter. I haven't mentioned that in a while. AndyMatter.net post. Andy Matter? And What's it, that again? It's um, an awesome no. science website <laughs> where you can go and read swear words and science career and it, stuff. And it's also the host of our forum. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it does host the forum, yep. which uh, is gaining momentum because I post on it regularly. <laughs> anyway, so on my Facebook page, um, it was just, I love your podcast. And... It right. was from Sean Craig Murphy of Triple oh. M fame. Holy the shit. Sean Craig Murphy? The Sean Craig Murphy. That's uh, it. I'm semi-familiar with them. <laughs> <laughs> You're so polite. <laughs> Put it this way. I'm just happy for anyone out there to be listening to yeah. us. But someone someone on Triple M, was it? Did yeah, you say? Yeah, so on Triple that's M, a, the a radio, radio station. It's a real radio station. Uh, thank you, Sean. Thanks, yeah. Sean. No worries. Uh, anyone else wants to write uh, that they love the, the podcast on any of our Facebook pages? Yeah. Uh, we'd be happy to accept that. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. we will yeah. talk about it and uh, love I, it. I, look, I have always carried myself with a certain quiet oh, dignity. Oh, we've oh, heard. We know. <laughs> but you haven't prepared the statement because <laughs> he just told you now. <laughs> 
No, Krishna! Um, <laughs> but I will grudgingly accept compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, listen. Listening. Gibson, you're not lost. I'm listening. All right. Our topic for today is science facts. Facts. Ooh, facts. Mm. Mm. What makes a fact and what isn't a fact? And do we work with facts or do we create facts? Or is it both? Cameron, go. Uh, you cannot create a fact. A fact is an innate thing. Uh, you, nobody created pie. Pi is internal to the universe. Oh, God, we've gone right there, Brian Cox. I've created pie and I've eaten pie, and it's lovely. And we're back in the room. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> it's like having Brian Cox and just like a homeless man <laughs> with an oven. So anything that we discover yes. uh, is already there. We just don't know it yet. Right. Hmm. So science is about finding out the rules of the universe. Mm-hmm. And the, those facts are the small rules that we discover and find out. Yeah. So essentially, they're universal constants. They certainly should be. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about, Chris, you can help me with this, mm-hmm. is the language around facts, theory, hypothesis. Like, maybe we could take a little bit of time to explain them, but they're just, by the, the, from the general public's point of view, they're a bit confused. Yeah. So, mm. when we talk about a fact... Have you got a definition, Chris? No, I don't. Good, I do. Thanks for helping. <laughs> Scientific facts are verified by repeatable, careful observation or measurement. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it says by experiments or other means. So you can calculate facts. Yeah. As long as it satisfies mathematical rules and mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm. rules mm-hmm. and constants. Now, the one thing in that that makes me go, it's right, but this is where it goes wrong. Mm-hmm is repeatable and careful measurement, Mm, right? mm. Because so much of the scientific data that is produced these days is not repeatable. And or not careful. And or not careful, yeah. So science is in a little bit of a sorry state at the moment because we've got a lot of papers. Yes. Because the system rewards people to produce papers. Yes. The papers are meant to help essentially distill out these facts of the universe yeah i mean each 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 paper is supposed to deliver a new fact yeah yep that's true very true yep yep and so we've got this i guess this microcosm of facts and a good portion of them have never been repeated Mm. even by the people who reported exactly Mm. so what do we call something that is probably done once but is not necessarily known as a fact at the moment. Oof. A theory. Oh, right. Mm. Mm. So, is it a theory or is it a hypothesis? Oh, I don't know the difference between those two because I just interchange them usually. (laughs) When I'm writing writing a paper, I just say hypothesis or thesis. So, a theory is. Yeah. So, I think the strict rule Mm -hmm. is a theory is essentially a fact. Really? So, like the the gravitational right. theory, yeah, is a fact. But scientific language uses theory mm-hmm. in a very kind of broad, all-encompassing term for a series of facts to prove one thing. Yes, it's like you hear sometimes people say, 
the theory of evolution is yes. just a theory. Exactly. And that's what trips a lot of people up. Every theory in science has to have within it the possibility that it can change and evolve. Yep. So Newton came up with a bunch of theories. Yep. And Einstein proved that... Is, are they hypotheses? Oh, sorry. Yeah, all right. Okay. Oh, now here we go. We're going to start pulling <laughs> you motherfuckers up on these things. But what he developed would have been called a theory of gravitation at the time, wouldn't it? I think it turns into a theory. But often, often people think that a theory is absolute until a maverick comes along. Like you and Chris Sader. Like me. And John uh, Sader. Oh. <laughs> I just created your... I just Crusader. married you. I just, I just married you in my mind. <laughs> Sounds like Crusader. <laughs> it does. That's brilliant. But getting back to it, so, so a maverick like Einstein comes yeah. along and shows that that immutable theory is actually not entirely correct under certain situations. Yeah. So science is always able to, to self-repair or, or it's, it's, it's always got this ability to change if mm -hmm. the evidence shows that that theory is perhaps not correct yeah. in certain situations. I think it's adaptable. Absolutely. You know I mean? So a, a single fact is a fact when it's a reproducible set of data that it just is so that anyone around the world can then do that experiment and, get and the it gets the same result. Now that's, that's crucial what you just said then. It's something that you can, that can be tested externally by your peers People who can be on the other side of the planet have nothing to do you do with you, no need to impress you, but they can reproduce what you've done and get the same yep. result. Cameron, in your normal life as a researcher, yep. do you feel like you're handling these facts? How what do you what are you producing? What are you using and what are you producing? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm trying to reproduce results that's, that other people have gotten at yep. the moment. Yep. And we're having a lot of trouble doing it. Um, and I guess with when you're coming down to chemistry, a lot of the what a lot of it comes down to the initial chemicals that you use or that okay. you source. So if I buy chemical A from one supplier, it's not necessarily exactly the same mm -hmm. as the same chemical on the bottle from a different supplier. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it hard to reproduce other results when the small changes between that initial source sure. make a make such a big difference. Yeah. And so I guess it comes down to experimental um, error, well, experimental control to yeah. make sure that everything is exactly, exactly the same. Mm. Yeah. But you can get very small, subtle variations that you're not aware of yeah. that can skew your results completely. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard, I think, uh, you know, sometimes people will do a series of experiments and even repeat them mm -hmm. and get the same results again and again and then later discover that there was some huge actual fault with the equipment they use or something else. Yeah. And, I, and I had an old boss of mine, they actually got a nature paper and they found out that there was something wrong. Oh, no. Yeah, there was something wrong with the equipment. I bet they didn't which, say a bloody thing, did they? No, they did. He actually oh, did. Good. He actually reported it at a conference and said, no, we got this wrong and, and, and this is... You and know, is this the is, paper retracted? Uh, I'm not aware uh, of that exactly. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it could be. But he got quite. He got a lot of kudos for that. You know, yeah. for for standing up and being honest. And I think on average you would if you did that. Yeah, something big like a Nature paper. You yeah. have to. Yeah, there was an instrumental problem that they hadn't been aware of, and they could not reproduce the work again later. And then mm. they found out what it was, and mm. he reported it. So, hmm. so Andy, so you made while you were working at the same place as us. You yep. made. Perhaps the world's greatest Boom. Uh, transparent conducting electrodes. I did. Oh, they're so good. How do you know that your way it was better than others? You use a series of metrics to, to compare you, what you make to yep. other people's 
and you can actually choose metrics where your sample comes out quite good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's, I guess in each field, there's a standard series of metrics that people use yeah. and they say, right, it gives this number. Mine was in the order of, of like hundreds and mine was like 400 and something and other people's were 300 and mine's bigger. So yes, it works. It's called yeah. this figure of merit. You just hope that you're a good enough scientist like I was mm. to, uh, <laughs> to, to push it in the right direction. Okay. Because if you make, if you, with all these different variables, like treating this a different way and yeah. spend an extra five minutes on the toilet while that's in the, you know, refluxing or something, well, can make a big difference. And I, but I think we, we touched on this in, in some other podcasts is the danger of repeating experiments is you won't get that good result the next yeah. time. And so yeah. there is a tendency yeah. if people yeah. get a really good result is let's just analyze the hell out of that yeah, and then leave it at that. Yeah. And let's not do it again or else we might get might get a crap result. Mm. Yeah, which is a shame, but it's mm. really not That's policed. the way it should be done. Mm. It's no. really not policed no. that no. the correct, you know, statistical analysis is done yeah to, to check the repeatability and the actual to verify the results reported Actually, i mean that's one thing that really really concerns me about my own understanding is statistics mm -hmm. it really concerns me because in the materials world it's good you make something you test it you go this is the standard deviation it's yeah. and then blah, and then you report it to the world right mm -hmm. but i really feel like I wish that during my PhD in my undergrad or just something, I had just gone, oh, I'll do some statistics. But it's the hard subject. Yeah. And it's really dry. But now I'd be bloody firing off statistics from the hip, just like, oh, you want some of that? 10, 15. You know that they're numbers, right? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Fractions, decimals. I do them all. T test, P test. Yeah. Oh, here we are. Ooh. And then yeah. I remember in high school doing the chai number. Chi is mm. like it, what's that? Yeah, that was a yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a biology thing. I remember. Chi spot? Did you say? <laughs> what's that? I'll tell you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put a finger in your bum. <laughs> um, but yeah, statistics. Mm. So you know, I'm mm. really getting into statistics at the moment. I can tell because you've unbuttoned your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can tell. <laughs> Green pants and an unbuttoned shirt. <laughs> Where to next? Long I'm division. Nervous. Yeah. And so I think that what you're really looking at is that with your, say, if you're making a hypothesis surrounding what you think is a fact. Yeah. If we're going to talk yeah. about it that way. Yeah. That you should then be able to hypothesize the next experiment. So sure. I think that, uh, like, this paper will change my experiment in this way. Mm -hmm. And so you do the experiment and then you should get the result that you expect. Yeah. And so that means that, you know, the amount of paper correlates to the final mm -hmm. result. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there are statistical methods to see how well those two things correlate together. Oh, yeah. Chi squared is one of them. Oh, Ooh, very good. Look at very that. good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, you know, we are all working scientists and we don't know that much about statistics. It's sad, isn't no, it? No, not at all. It's Average. Really sad. Standard deviation, that's about it. Hey, um, uh, what facts have you made? Ooh, facts have I discovered. I feel like my biggest contribution was that of my PhD, which was I found out that you could actually make a paint that performed better than people said it did. Okay. Like a conductive solar paint yeah. and made it work. And I was like, that's now my thing. Okay. Like I made it. 
yeah. all of the literature beforehand said you could, but it was shit. Yeah. And now I can say you can, and th- this is how you make it's it sli- good. Slightly above shit or good? Um, slightly below good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, so that like- fact was sitting there somewhere in the universe. Yep. Waiting to be discovered. Chris? Oh, we know yours, your bloody statements. Here we go. Here we go. So one of the many facts that I have shown and proven is that by applying a known force to an AFM cantilever, you can determine accurately its spring constant. Boom. That's great. There you go. Cameron? Yeah. There you go. Right uh, back at you. Confirmed well, Hooke's Law. So yeah. I guess my most recent paper that I like, uh, sorry, other papers, uh, is that when you are imaging graphene with an atomic force <gasps> microscope, yep. if you press it with enough pressure, yep. you can push it flatter against its substrate. Because there was a small water layer or something or a small something yeah. layer. Yeah, add layer. We're not, I can't yep. really say what it is. And then from doing that, you will get an accurate value for its thickness. Yeah. And then you can work out how many layers yep. are there. Very good. If we talk about fundamental stuff your 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 two things are actually quite fundamental aren't they absolutely yep. i think the more fundamental they are the, the easier fact. it is yeah to kind of call them a fact yeah because agree, there's a lot yeah. going on in your paint there is i mean brushes yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our next section is science this where we use our transferable science skills to science the shit out of an everyday activity and this week, our science topic is from a forum. Oh, AndyMatter.net. It is, AndyMatter.net forward slash forums forward slash published perishable podcast forum. <laughs> Whoa. It's catchy. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it comes from uh, a, an ex-colleague of ours, uh, Adam. Mm-hmm. And he wants to know, and this is, so it's an everyday activity, but it's, an, it's definitely an everyday activity for you, Chris. Mm, but yes. for us... It is currently not an everyday activity, but maybe in the future. Yeah, and yeah. it is caring for a newborn. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, now, who wants to tackle it first? Look, I'm the man of experience, the man of wisdom. My yeah. answers are obviously going to be more relevant and better. So you guys go first. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So I, I think. Oh I missed- shit! Hold on. Are you gonna? Don't you start talking about robots or clones? No, no, that's that's not within our scope anymore. We're not allowed to do that. No, no robot or clones, Chris. You got the time that we talked to work out what you're going to say. So I think I uh, didn't read quite exactly when you gave me. <laughs> so, so I actually thought it said raising a newborn. Can I do that? Oh, let's do raising a newborn. Yeah, I mean, caring, raising. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's all the same thing. Yeah. All right. So I'm not interested in having a plain old happy normal child. You want a sad weird child. I want the best oh, uh, child. Of yep. course because you're yep. so competitive. Yep. This makes so much yep. sense. Yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose something that my I'm when my child is first born. Yep. I'm going to put next to it a cricket bat. Yep. Uh, an AFL football. Yep. Maybe a guitar and I'll see which one it reaches to first <laughs> and then i'm gonna make that child the world's best at that thing oh, oh wow i see what if he reaches over and touches a boob uh you can still be the world's best at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah fine. all right and so i'm gonna follow a, a few theories the first one or the major one here is developed by malcolm 
Gladwell in his oh, book Outliers. You've really done some research. Uh, he said it. that uh, it, talent isn't really such a big factor in um, geniuses these days. It's mm. more the practice that they put in. Right. And so he kind of put a number on it because it was good for a book that you need 10,000 hours of practice to be an expert at something. And if you start them really young, that's like a minute a day. Yeah. So, mm, I mean, mm, you know mm, what mm. it is? It's 417 days. Yeah. So by the time my child is three, I could probably move on to the next thing that I'm going to make but them an expert But you need to maintain in. the skills. Yeah, we can double up. <laughs> right. Good. <laughs> And so just doing 10,000 hours of a thing isn't really... Ne- I don't think it's really going to work because mm-hmm. if you just like go through the motions like, yeah. oh, I'm strumming guitar or... Yeah, dad's uh, making me do the thing yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. So what I, I think what's better then is to then apply Anders Ericsson's um, oh, uh, idea of deliberate practice quoting for 10,000 wow. hours. Yeah, yeah. And what, what and did so, this guy have to say? I mean, the deliberate practice is that when you are doing this training is that you're training for a goal yep. to make something particularly better. And uh, you have to be okay. training like in a way that you're pushing yourself. Yeah. And you're pushing yourself to the, the part where the training is no longer enjoyable. Oh, now that now Cameron, are you suggesting that you're going to make your child do something to the point where it doesn't enjoy it anymore? You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes them the best, then it's worth the price of their I pain. I just see so much money wasted in counseling past 18. <laughs> All right, no, but it's not it's not going to be that bad. I mean, 10,000 hours, 417 days over you know, a few years, it's not that bad. No, yeah. And what sure. we're going to do is we're going to have one good parent and one bad parent. So good cop, oh, bad no, Sorry, not bad parent, driving parent. Okay, and okay. So I'll obviously be the driving parent the first time around and maybe we can swap roles on the second child. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so uh, we're going through this. Uh, we're developing some uh, some real skills in my child and they, from following these... Uh, procedures yeah they will be i will have raised the best newborn well done karen that was impressive that was research and considerate (laughs) and a bit scary (laughs) never has child abuse sounded so scientific yeah Well, I, my puts mine to absolute shame. Um, so, what I thought I would do well, is... Are you just going to be keeping him alive or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mine are going to have no skills. Wimp. <laughs> Loser. So, one thing that I... So, I, I tried to do a bit of research on this. And the, the one thing about this is that I found that it's inherently difficult because each baby is different. And mm-hmm. so it's like you've got these broad things like give it food every so often. Yeah. You know, like it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um, make sure it's not near dangerous animals. Like, you know, there's broad comments like that. <laughs> but what I what I found was loads of blogs. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm. And one of them is scienceofmom.com, which is a science a, a scientist who had a kid. Okay. Who is now offering science-focused advice for raising children? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the way I science this is, I get you're going to read the blog. Let's. I'm just going to read the blog <laughs> and take it as fact. <laughs> well, I'm going to. I'm going to get a hundred um, uh, children. Whoa! Right, Brangelina. Brangelina. I'm going to get a hundred <laughs> of the same age. 
And are they all fruit of your loins? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to impregnate a yeah. hundred women. You, you oh, do geez. over <laughs> overestimate the number of people you sleep with. Yes. So I'm going to jizz into a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> on a busy Saturday. Whoa, I this, didn't ask. I didn't ask. This, this is explosive. <laughs> this busy is explosive. Saturday. God, I thought I was going to be the offensive one. <laughs> and of the kids that are born, each one is going to be brought up according to a different blog. <laughs> <laughs> and then the best kid, the one that doesn't die, the one that is most well-rounded and the one that is like has least scars on their body. Yep. That's going to, and then I'm going to measure these as, as they, as they kind of time progresses and we follow different things and they can only use the information on that blog. Okay. So you've got it's hundred percent. And then the child that is the best at the end via the metrics, like um, can speak. Um, uh-huh. is is sociable is alive is alive which is yeah. one of the big ones I think <laughs> um, anyway that and then I would take that blog and I will turn it into a book and say that's how you do it mm. fascinating right. fascinating now instead of the jizz pool I mean <laughs> can you just use uh, some kind of atom transfer machine that Chris is probably about to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we use whatever Chris is about to come up so, with. So, obviously, um, you've just heard two guys who are not fathers because my approach was, was, was iPad. quite different. <laughs> you buy an iPad and then you leave the room. No, no. <laughs> yes. But in a way, not far off. So, I'm well, looking I'm at it in terms of like... If I'm raising the new one, how can I make it as easy as possible for myself yes. without it degenerating into child abuse? Yeah. All right. Okay. A couple of parameters. Who decides whether it's child abuse? Well, external parties, <laughs> a referee. Um, if the child grows up later to be really unhappy, I suppose. That's bad. By, by, psycho- by psychological analysis. Okay. All right. So All right. Um, time is no option. Cost is no option. That's obviously the case with well, you yeah, as well. Yeah, infinite funds. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, I've got a pool full of jizz. Yep, of course. Of course. <laughs> yes, and no, and people are swimming in it. <laughs> people are swimming in it. <laughs> Imagine how you'd have to pay someone to swim in a pool of jizz. <laughs> well, a lot of this is getting cut out. Um, so, let me tell you right now, yeah. the big problem to parenting is lack of sleep. Yes. And I know uh, the person who put this question, Adam Blanche, yep. is a new parent. So he yep. knows all about this. That's that's Blanchy. We worked with Blanchy, Blancharama, the Blanchster, Blanche Dubois, as I used to call him. Doctor B. Um, so big problem is lack of sleep. Therefore, cloning. Yes. <laughs> no, Christopher. Wait, 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 wait. The, the, bear with me. Uh, some more hands to sort it out. That would make it easier. Obviously, more what people. Just, wait, wait. I, I, are you having six arms like a Indian? No, just just loads of me. Oh, loads of me okay. helping out. So you know. Gibbo six is like right. I'm doing the feeding. Gibbo five is watching telly. You know. Are you Gibbo one? I, I'm Gibbo. I'm the original, of course. <laughs> Jesus. And, of what, course. Uh, and what are you doing for the child? Um, I, I'd be doing sort of more of the intellectual stuff, like teaching them how to read and talking to them. But that's only five to ten minutes a day. That's necessary. <laughs> so the others can do the hard work. Or the other way to get around sleep. Meanwhile, I'm spending ten thousand hours <laughs> in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> And it's still child abuse. That's what's brilliant. So um, 
I will transfer mine to robot, and then I have a uh, a robot body that doesn't need to sleep, and then there's no problem with super strength and all that. But I tell you what, what those two options aren't the best. What's the well, best? Then, then why did you tell us? Yeah, why the fuck did you tell us, Chris? Because, because I- they're both connected. You combine them. Oh no! Oh, what a cyborg. No robot brain without sleep, but human body with beautiful, warm flesh. So the child gets, you know, assurances from from a human being, the the, the right smells and pheromones and things like that. Is that important? Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Children, children bond through contact with their parents and things like skin that. On so skin on skin contact. Skin, exactly. But. So you've got a naked cyborg roaming your house, no, hugging no, your kids. No, no. <laughs> clothes, clothes. That's meandering into dangerous territory. It All really right. is. Chris, this is a pedo but machine. One more idea I had was collate all available information on raising kids and use this to program a smart room. So like Watson? Like is what it, IBM's Watson? Um, yeah. I wouldn't call it a smart room or Watson. I'd call it the womb room. <laughs> oh, not bad. I like that. No, yep. you've got me. Yep. I'm back yeah, that's now. It. I'm back, back in the room. Here we All go. Right. The womb room. Here we go. We're in the womb room where sounds... temperature is optimized. Okay, yeah? good. Parental pheromones are sprayed into the room regularly during sleep periods. Good. Or when the child is distressed. The sounds of baby are monitored to determine which sounds correspond to what they want, i.e. a baby language. And then you do what they want, you know, when they scream. No, no, you don't do what you want. Your naked, weird cyborg assistant does it. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's incredible, Chris. You've caught on. Well done. Is there anything more to that? Uh, no, that's that's basically it. They're my four ideas. Well, I can say that I'm Clones, pleased that... robots, cyborgs, womb room. I'm just pleased that none of that technology exists because <laughs> your life would be really weird. And do you think your kids are psychologically stable your actual real kids now far more than if they were raised by you two holy <laughs> shit <laughs> there's only one way to find out let's do the experiment no, no i've learned, learned give them to me yeah, for a week two things you two should not have kids <laughs> my daddy's a jizz pool <laughs> that's, how, that's that's how he's making them there's no no nothing else no jism else involved anywhere <laughs> Oh, that brings us to the end of another lovely published perishable podcast. Music is provided by the excellent Adelaide-based band Voice Rom. Please check out their stuff on their Bandcamp website. Remember to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app and like it's our Facebook easy. page. Join in the forum and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you yep. get this and Chris and Cameron and my voice into your head. Yes. Mm, Cameron. You must like it. You were just listening to Published Perishable Podcast. This week we were brought to you by two future sponsors. <gasps> Ozoilent. Ozoilent. <laughs> I'll get it better by them than they are an actual sponsor. All right, good. Uh, Andy thinks you're difficult to drink. <laughs> and the second future sponsor is Crusader, the future company of Chris Gibson oh, and John Sader. Yes. I love it. Thank Boom. you. Yes. Boom. Chris's dreams have come true. I love it. I love it. All right, final farewell, chaps. Bye. Gibson out. See ya. See ya.